Hello, Blue Jays. Welcome back to the Johns Hopkins Newsletter Podcast for another episode. I'm Lubna Azmi. Here at the newsletter, we're excited to share the ins and outs of Hopkins with you. From recaps of pressing Hopkins news, interviews with notable community figures, to peaks into daily student life, make sure you tune in every other Thursday. For our first recap, Johns Hopkins Hospital, past and present. Johns Hopkins, a wealthy Baltimore merchant and businessman, hoped to build a hospital that would compare favorably with any other institution of like character in this country and Europe. His hope has become a reality. The Hopkins Hospital has always been at the forefront of medical education. The curriculum developed at the hospital would be the basis for the Flexner Report in 1910, which reformed all medical schools in the United States. William Osler pioneered a new method of teaching medicine at Hopkins that included bedside teaching, where medical students in their third and fourth year would work alongside physicians and supervising and managing patients, a practice which soon became the standard. However, the hospital's relationship with the surrounding community in East Baltimore has been historically tumultuous. In an interview with the newsletter, Jeremy Green, a professor of medicine in the history of medicine at Hopkins, described the hospital's position. There are folks living in the immediate vicinity of the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine at Johns Hopkins Hospital who have had their lives transformed in positive ways by engagement with world-class clinical care that has made a huge difference in our lives, he said. But there are also many folks living in the vicinity of East Baltimore who have had their lives uprooted. Next up, students reflect three years after university shutdown. Following the announcement of the suspension of in-person classes on March 10, 2020, the university announced that students would be required to leave campus by March 15, 2020, due to increasing worries around the spread of COVID-19. At first, the administration expected students to return to campus on April 12th that same year, but it was not until the fall of 2023 that the university transitioned back to full in-person activities. Serena Chan, a research technologist at Hopkins Medicine who graduated in 2022, described in an interview with the newsletter how the pandemic affected social interactions on campus. The library used to be so loud, and people used to chat a lot, she said. Then, in my senior year, it was almost completely silent. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I do feel like the kids that lost a few years in high school lost something in terms of social interaction. I'm a research tech. I work with some undergraduates and a few freshmen, and there's a lot more awkward energy. But others appear more hopeful. In an interview with the newsletter, senior Fausto Alvarez shared how he sees the effects of the pandemic on students' interpersonal skills as temporary. It's getting better with every semester, Alvarez said. A good indication of that is that clubs are back to their full sizes now after being really, really small. COVID conditioned us not to hang out with each other. It was like a ripple effect and you can still see the ripples. Next, Kalani is to headline the Spring Fair concert. For the upcoming 2023 Spring Fair, the university has announced Kalani as the headliner. The Office of Leadership Engagement and Experiential Development, LEAD, distributed a series of polls for genres of music and artists that undergraduates and graduate students like. Kalani was one of the top artists that fit the availability and budget constraints from the Hopkins Parents Fund. Kalani is a contemporary R&B singer and songwriter who debuted in 2011 as a member of Pop Life. Some of the students shared their excitement about the concert. 
Kelsey and Jembu shared how her jaw dropped when she first found out. And Sharice Kim noted how the website crashed with tickets selling out within an hour. The only concern that some of the students raised was that the event is in the rec center. A student recalled that the majority of the students got COVID-19 before finals from the spring concert last year. Although the outdoor stadium and other venues are not available for the concert, the senior director of Leeds stated that masks will be provided. Analyzing trustee compensation. Recently, Goa Bai, a professor of accounting at Cary Business School and professor of health policy and management at Bloomberg School of Public Health, led a study on the amount of charity provided by nonprofit hospitals. These hospitals don't have to pay property tax. Johns Hopkins University is also included, and the amount of tax benefits totals about $28 billion yearly. However, it was found that only about 37.3% of that sum compensated the trustees. While Medicaid is also considered as a contribution to community benefit, charitable care is preferred because it better furthers the mission. The study conducted a regression analysis and found that for every $10,000 increase in average trustee compensation, there was a 0.02% decrease in charity care ratio. Bayi hopes that this research will encourage more hospitals to contribute more to charity, which will improve the social well-being of the community and help the economy. In other exciting news, the Spring 2023 magazine, Student Advocacy, Then and Now, is hot off the press today. The special edition of the newsletter covers the long history of student activism at Hopkins, from 20th century anti-war movements to the recent formation of a graduate student union to ongoing resistance to the JHPD. One piece by Leela Jibo focuses on the experience of women at Hopkins from 1970, when women were first permitted to attend, to today. The year 1970 marks the tail end of the movement for women's higher education in the U.S., Oberlin College, for instance, first admitted women 133 years earlier in 1837. This matches a similar timeline as many Ivy League colleges. Princeton and Yale universities admitted their first classes of women in 1969, and Brown University admitted its first class of women in 1971. In an interview with the newsletter, Kat Kolkowski, a member of the class of 1983, recalled fair treatment of students, regardless of their gender. However, she reflected on the sexism occasionally experienced from fellow students. There were some folks in my classes that weren't as friendly towards women or didn't treat women as peers, but it was fairly rare, she said. As the university continues to change, it is crucial that administrators listen to the calls of its students' advocates and create a safer environment for people of all genders, races, religions, sexualities, and identities. Make sure to grab a copy on campus! Just stop by any one of our print distribution locations, including Brody Cafe, MSC, Levering, Gilman, The Rec Center, or Hopkins Cafe. A full map of locations is available on our website. You can also check out the magazine online on ISU at www.issuu.com slash JHU newsletter. Now, let's hop outside to hear a few voices on the quad. In this segment, we ask students around the Hopkins campus to share their impromptu thoughts on a different topic every episode. This time on Voices on the Quad, we're doing a senior special. We wanted to know, what was one of your favorite college memories? My favorite memory was probably final season freshman year when a bunch of people just gathered together and started screaming at the beach. It was just like a nice collective memory before just a stressful finals period was over. 
scoring three goals in our game against Utah in my senior season as a member of the men's lacrosse team. My favorite memory at Hopkins, this isn't one specific memory, but my favorite thing that I did while I was here was I was um, in a dance group uh, called Jaywalk, and it was like the best thing that I did at Hopkins and all of my friends are from the team and recently we just had our last showcase and it was really good um and it also made me really sad to leave but I loved being in the group I loved um like having that community and doing something that wasn't school related and we all love dance so much so it was just really nice and my favorite memory with them was probably being able to like we did a competition um this semester and we performed a bunch of extra dances last minute and all of the people on the team put in a lot of effort to make it happen and yeah it was really cool and exciting we got to sit on stage and we won a bunch of awards and yeah, it was really nice. It was really special. My favorite memory from college is probably exploring um, different coffee shops around Baltimore with friends. It's been fun to get to know all the different neighborhoods in Baltimore and just get to know friends a little bit better while studying and chatting. Some of my favorite memories here at Hopkins have been at the beach, um, just hanging out with friends, throwing footballs, playing spike ball, sharing laughs. That's all for Voices on the Quad. We'll catch up with more students on the green next year. Now for our weekly wrap-up. As always, here's what to watch and watch for, according to our arts section. Watch the fourth and final season of Barry on HBO. It's a dark comedy where a depressed hitman turned aspiring actor, played by Bill Hader, continues his search for redemption. Listen to D-Day by Suga. K-pop superstar Suga is releasing a new album ahead of his tour, which will mark him as the first member of BTS to embark on a solo tour. Read Simply Lies by David Baldacci. In this new psychological thriller, a single mother and former detective is framed for murder, and she must try to outthink the brilliant and unknown con artist who set her up before it's too late. Now, let's check in with the Blue Jays competing all over the country. Last week, the baseball team won against Messiah, Swarthmore, McDaniel, and Dickinson, and will be competing against Mullenberg in Baltimore on the 23rd. The women's lacrosse team also scored a win against Towson and Penn State. Women's and men's track teams will be at Penn for relays from the 27th to the 29th. Live video and stats can be found at hopkinsports.com. Go Hop! That's all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. For more in-depth news, you can visit our website, www.jhunewsletter.com, and find print editions of our paper around campus. The Newsletter Podcast is produced by Paige Moltsby. Audio production by Michael Gorlin. Script written by Tommy Song and Claire Park. And edited by Angela Zhu. Production support from Molly Gahigan and Michelle Limpe. Music by Ashna Pathan. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>